棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒棒
Like, it's just like you don't really think of this movie when you think of John Favreau, but like he is, you know, obviously what made this movie this movie. I mean, he directed Iron Man. He does The Mandalorian. Yeah, everybody is drooling over Mandalorian. Isn't right that now. on the Hulu? No, it's on Disney Plus. He's responsible for a lot of people's happiness these days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This film made eight times its budget. And you don't seem to understand that for some reason. I, re- I nobody did either. <laughs> nobody at the time did either. Everyone thought it was. Everybody was so surprised. I love the footage of Roger Ebert, and he's like, "Well, <laughs> the movie was a complete surprise to me because I expected, frankly, to hate it, and I kind of loved it." <laughs> I walked into this movie with big doubts and found myself grinning a whole lot of the time. It does kind of sound hokey on paper, right? It does. A human who was raised by elves goes to New York City in his 30s to find his real father. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a movie I would see, but whatever. There's just a lot coming together here in terms of uh, the writer. Yeah, (laughs) I, I really do think the script does a lot of the heavy lifting for some of this. So... David Berenbaum, he's a Jewish man yes. who has an affinity for Christmas films. Um, David Berenbaum is back with us. What else has he written? He wrote The Haunted Mansion. <gasps> oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> you know I would have some things to say to him about that. I'm sure you would. But, you know, th- this movie is amazing. Because when you think about all the projects in Hollywood that must not get made. I know. To think that this movie almost didn't get made is crazy to me. I know it. Like we said, Birnbaum loved Christmas movies. And when you think about Christmas movies from your childhood, one of the things you probably think of first is the old Rankin and Bass stop-motion animated holiday specials from, like, the 60s and 70s. Yeah, when our parents were kids. They're our parents' childhood films, not ours. Like, (laughs) Like, I don't know how much they get shown on TV anymore because I've literally not had cable for like four or five years, but everybody knows the heat miser and the snow miser. Year without a Santa Claus. The year without a Santa Claus. And then that's my favorite one. What's the one about him putting his foot in front of the other one? <laughs> Santa Claus is coming and to Santa town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Absolutely. And Nar- then narrated by Fred Astaire. And Rudolph and something about misfits. <laughs> You really don't remember those very well, do you? I do remember them, just like I don't remember everything about them. Well, I have good news for you, because I own most of them on DVD, so I know what we're doing after this. So yes, um, like basically David Barenbaum said, I want to make a Rankin and Bass movie. In so many words, he wanted to honor the spirit Mm -hmm. of those holiday specials. They honored it so well, folks, that uh, we came up with some copyright infringement issues down the line. Yeah, some things are looking a little similar. Um, Just a little too close there, David. So... You might have guessed it. We have names. We have names. Exactly. Guys, please welcome back to King and Streaming. He was with us last month. The one, the only, the comparable Phil Werrell. <laughs> Will Farrell is back, folks. He was with us recently in The Producers. Mm. <laughs> and if you guys remember, we have a sentiment about Will Farrell that just for a lot of people, it is hit and miss. Sometimes he's funny for you. Sometimes you just can't stand him. The man can be hilarious. It's just... He's such a fool all the time. I can't take Will Ferrell seriously. Honey, you're not supposed to. But like... He's a comedian. I wonder if that causes problems for him. Like in his personal life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, like he's just got... he, And this is why...
why I believe this was the role he was born to play. He's just so dopey and pure. Like, the the, the innocence that he evokes in his comedy is... It's why I don't like Anchorman at all, because that's not the Will Ferrell comedy I like. Guys, SNL, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Megamind, (laughs) Daddy's Home, Old School, Blades of Glory, Lego Movie, he's in all of it. This movie's kind of responsible for Will Ferrell's movie career as we know it. Kind of. Have you ever heard of the term frat pack? No, not outside of this context. Like brat pack. Only we're talking about a generation of leading Hollywood comic actors in the late 90s and early 2000s. Apparently Will Ferrell is considered a member of the frat pack. Along with Jack Black, Ben Stiller, Steve Carell, Vince Vaughn, and Owen Wilson. Like, the common thread I'm feeling there is just a bunch of male comedians who are great at acting like overgrown teenagers. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm not seeing a whole lot of, um, I like like half those people. (laughs) We have guys. James Caan. Oh my God, Sonny Corleone he... from the from the, from the Found Father is what I almost said. From the Godfather, I love James Caan in Misery with oh, Kathy Bates. I know that's one of your faves. I do, I do love it. We have Zoe De Channel, <laughs> Zoe De Chanel, De Zoe De Channel, no Ch- Chanel, De... Coco Chanel, no. Okay, Zoe De Chanel. It's actually spelled Zooey, so I'm gonna call her Zooey. No, do not call her Zooey. Zooey De Channel. Um, you might know her from this. <laughs> um, you might know her from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Five Hundred Days of Summer, that New Girl stuff. What does that air on? Fox. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like, I usually forget about the Fox ones. I've never seen all of New Girl. I watched like one season of it and I'm like, I mean, this is okay. (laughs) We have Mary Steenburgen. Welcome her back to kicking and streaming. What did we do with her in it again? The Help. That's right. She was in The Help. See, Mary Steenburgen has this Joan Collins look for me that I'm like always like when I see her, I'm like, that's Joan Collins. And I go, (laughs) no, that's Mary Steenburgen. And you know that. It's her bone structure. It is. It's similar. She's been on the Ted Danson show since 1995. Listen, Ted Danson has made a comeback in pop culture, and I've just started watching The Good Place, and it's a good time. Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah. I mean, come on. She's in Parenthood. She's in Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. She's done She's done a fair amount in her time. Oh, God. She's she, an Academy Award winner. She's the woman from Gilbert Grape who's trying to get with Johnny Depp. Uh-oh. Like, she's like 10, 15 years older than him. Yeah. And she's trying to shag him. Guys, we have Lou Grant himself, Mr. Ed Asner. I was going to say, what is Ed Asner's claim to fame? Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show? Yeah, I really, see, I didn't watch a lot of Mary Tyler Moore. At yeah, we, yeah, we didn't live in the 70s. Well, like, you know, we li- when we were with Grandma and Grandpa for the weekend, we watched a lot of TV land, but I never saw a lot of Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> Nana. <laughs> TV land. Nana. <laughs> Mr. Ed Asner has acted with the likes of Mr. John Wayne, and he's also the um, voice of Carl Fredrickson from Up. Oh my God! Yes. Please let me in. No. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, he's Santa Claus in this movie. <laughs> he is a good Santa type, you know what I'm saying? Folks, equally astounding. Bob Newhart. Guys, the Bob Newhart show. Yeah. That may not be a thing that you've ever heard of. No. But I guarantee you, your parents have. Like, Bob Newhart was OG deadpan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those Jim Halpert type takes to the camera type stuff. Your Aubrey Plaza shit all originated with Bob Newhart. (laughs) 
it, he was the dad of America there for a second. Mm-hmm. If you've seen um, Horrible Bosses, he's Jason Bateman's boss at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do love that stupid movie. The Twisted Old Fuck. We need to do that movie. Yeah. You know, he voices um, favorite little mouse friend of ours. He's Bernard mm-hmm. on The Rescuers. From The Rescuers and oh. The Rescuers Down Under. Yes. Bob Newhart and Ava Gabor. <laughs> I believe it. Rescuing one child at a time. All right, folks. Are you ready? As the movie starts, the first note I have is, how many have seen opening the book before? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Were you with us here in Chicken Little? If not, go listen. (laughs) Bob Newhart is here as Papa Elf to give us a crash course in the history of elves. Can we give him a name? Papa Elf. No, what's his name? That's his name, Papa Elf. No, his first name's not Papa. (laughs) What's his first name? I don't know, honey. They call him Papa Elf in the movie. Can we call him Bob? Bob Elf? Bob Elf. Papa Bob. (laughs) Papa Bob. Yeah, let's let's do Papa Bob. (laughs) All right, okay. Anyway, but yes, three different kinds of elves, aren't there, in the world? Yeah, there are only three jobs for elves. You can be a cobbler assistant. I don't remember what fairy tale that is. The one where the cobbler falls asleep and can't finish the shoes and then the elves do it in the middle of the night. I don't know. Goog it. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. The second job for elves is you can be a Keebler elf. You could live in a tree and make cookies. That's where Gavin's people are from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. He comes from the Keebler elves. But he wants to be a Christmas elf. Yeah. That's the third job for elves. But the third job, some call it the the, the show or, or the, the big dance. It's the profession that every elf aspires to, and that is to build toys in Santa's workshop. Only two weeks left till Christmas. As we see the inside of Santa's workshop, like, as you look around, you're like, oh my god, it's a Rankin and Bass special. Like, literally, r- this is plagiarism. <laughs> Of the finest kind. Like, like, you can call it an homage, whatever you want to do, David, whatever you want to do, John. (laughs) It's a little close. It's just on the nose. But I love it. I do love that we are honoring a cornerstone of holiday entertainment. Mm Mm-hmm. I love how we're seeing actual toys in this workshop. The Bob the Builder dolls. Like Bob the Builder was brand newish. Like it, yeah, it was popular at the time. And we've got Mr. Potato Head and Etch-a-Sketches mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Um, no human has ever been inside Santa's workshop. And been allowed to live. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Nobody ever goes in. Nobody ever comes out. (laughs) But no, no human has ever been in Santa's workshop until the Christmas where Buddy came to live. So I wish I knew what the kid's actual name was, but um, we'll get to why he's called Buddy. (laughs) We're in this orphanage. Yeah, and Santa has come to deliver toys to the orphans. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he comes down the chimney. It's kind of a little scary a little bit because we're just seeing Santa's boots Mm -hmm. and it's all dark. Uh, but he's poking around, he's going after the cookies, and little baby Buddy, who w- is a crib escape artist like I was, mm-hmm. he crawls out of the crib 
and he crawls into Santa's bag because there's toys in there. There's a teddy bear in there. He <laughs> wants it. And so uh, none the wiser, Santa just, you know, kind of laces up his bag and continues on his way. Santa comes back to the workshop and little baby buddy crawls out of the sack. He comes crawling out of this bag and all the elves are like, what is this thing? <laughs> little buddy diapers. His name is Buddy. He must have snuck into your sack at the orphanage. What do we do? His only identifying information is the brand on his diapers. Little Buddy Diapers. His name is Buddy. I hate this frickin' frack elf duo. Yeah, I know. That, like, it's finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? They're twins. This whole thing with the force perspective. Oh, yeah. Because they've got to be smaller. Than him, you know what I mean, than Santa. Cinematographers have such a perilous task. Like, well, remember you brought up New Line and Lord of the Rings. This is the same trick they used in Lord of the Rings to make the hobbits look small. You know, if two actors, one who was supposed to be significantly smaller than the other, if they're supposed to be standing next to each other on screen, one of them will stand like 10, 15 feet back and they'll pretend like they're right next to each other. I'm just saying some of the shots don't work so good. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to use as little CG as possible, Mm -hmm. and I respect that. So they decide they're going to give Buddy to one of the elves to raise. They're like, he's just an orphan. (laughs) Who's missing him? And so (laughs) Papa Bob, who has always wanted a kid, volunteers. He's like, all right, I'm old. Might as well. Go, Papa Bob. Settle on down. (laughs) Buddy obviously grows on a human scale, right? So by the time he's 10 years old, he's taller than every other elf. Uh, Yeah, he's ginormous. And um, I I think, I I don't know how you don't know. They don't explain it to him but that he's human and not an elf but at the same time he has nothing to compare it to yeah so this is just him as he's just but the thing is he doesn't notice he's abnormal yeah even though he has to like squat real tiny on a teeny tiny toilet to use the bathroom like it's not clicking for him he just thinks he's different he doesn't have elf instincts or work ethic yeah he's got they, like when he grows up they try to put him in toy production mm-hmm. but he doesn't have them tiny hands and nimble fingers mm-hmm. so he's only producing at like a fourth of what everybody else is. Not even a tenth. <laughs> Thank you for the math on that. He's supposed to be making a thousand Netcha sketches a day and he made 85. I'm going to be a little bit short on today's quota. It's all right, buddy. Just how many Etch sketches did you get finished? Come on, buddy. How many? I made uh, 85. Oh, the silence that follows. That puts you uh, 915 off pace. Oh, boy. The foreman elf, Ming Ming. Yeah? It's Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Oh, my gosh. He's that little kid. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. He's uncredited, so that's why you didn't know it. <laughs> oh, okay. Jeez. I mean, he probably he probably didn't want people going, hey, isn't that Ralphie? <laughs> you're right. You're right. One day... He hears two elves in the workshop talking about how he's behind on his quota, and he hears the other elves say that he's human. I hate to do this to you, but think you can help me pick up the slack on those etch sketches No problem. I appreciate it. But he's killing me. I already got Lum Lum and Choo Choo pulling doubles. Quick thinking yesterday with that special talents thing. I feel bad for the guy. Just hope he doesn't get wise. Well, if he hasn't figured out he's a human by now, I don't think he ever will. How is this the moment? 
how is this the moment where this all comes together for him? How has he not questioned the fact that he is 10 feet taller than his father? I j- we see him like <laughs> all the ridiculous shit, him sleeping on two twins <laughs> and not even fitting, him like having to waft water in his face in the shower. <laughs> the sight gags in this movie are yeah. pretty good. It j- so Papa Elf sits him down and explains to him the story of how he came to live with them. Here's the other thing. Papa Bob has lots of information. Yeah, Papa Bob knows everything. I think it's because Santa knows everything and told Papa Bob. Well, that that makes sense. <laughs> Santa, our deity. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the deity of Christmas. He knows all this stuff about Buddy's human parents, about how his birth father and his mother, like, hooked up, but then, like, they broke up. And when they broke up, she was pregnant and she didn't want to tell him. So she gave him up for adoption. That sucks. I know, it does. That's why he was in the orphanage and that's why he climbed into Santa's bag. I I told him his father had never even known that Buddy was born. And most importantly, I told him where his father was. in, In a magical land called New York City. My dad works there. Empire State Building. His birth father works at the Empire State Building. Yeah. Like, how do you have that kind of intel? They give him a snow globe with New York in it. Yeah. So he can see what the Empire State Building looks like. (laughs) Here's the thing. We never hear Buddy actually say, you know what? I want to go to New York. No, we never really do hear him say that. It's like they just decide, okay, I guess since you know now, you're going to want to do this, huh? <laughs> you're going to you're gonna want to travel all the way to New York City to find your dad, and we get it. <laughs> I think they're getting rid of him. Oh, you know what? I, 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 I think that this is their way of nudging him out. I've like, never really thought about it that way before. It's a little, there's one more angel in heaven. Yeah. Except without the death. <laughs> or, the bu- or a bug's life. Yeah. When he was like... Ah, the colony's in good hands. Goodbye. Cheering and screaming and joy. <laughs> it's because he's gone. I think that's a little bit what's happening here. Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Because um, he doesn't fit in there. He's definitely not going to fit in in the real world now. He doesn't belong anywhere. No. Oh, man. He's saying goodbye to everyone before he leaves for New York, and this is where Santa gives him some very troubling news. You know, buddy... Your father, well, he's on the naughty list. No! We get, like, this brief little cut. (laughs) Like, we're not formally meeting his father, but we get a brief cut to his father, Walter. He's shaking a nun down for money. (laughs) See, I I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to make me feel bad when, in actuality, you're the one that missed the payments. But the children love the He's going to take the children's books away from them. Because they couldn't pay. (laughs) Oh, man. But, like, Santa's like, that's okay, that's okay. Everybody just needs a little Christmas cheer now and again. Yeah. And they can get back on the nice list. Also, one thing we forgot to mention, Christmas is in jeopardy? Yeah. Christmas is in jeopardy. Um, We're having some technical difficulties. The Santa sleigh, which has um, technology on it, I guess... (laughs) How did he do it in the old days? Was there really just that much Christmas spirit? Yeah, I mean, y'all have seen a Christmas movie before. Like, one of the main themes of Christmas movies is that the Christmas spirit is in short supply. Yes. No one believes in the season. No one believes in Santa. It's always, it's a common theme. It's like we believe in the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Or something, you know, I don't know. But here's the thing. Santa's sleigh used to run on Christmas spirit. But since it's fallen in recent years, we've had to rig up 
a special engine to power Santa's sleigh. I love that Papa Elf is also kind of the Jeff Goldblum to this uh, Independence Day resurgence. <laughs> you know what I mean? He powers, he's the one that designed- He's building a literal engine to help power the sleigh. <laughs> for a UFO. <laughs> so Buddy sets off for New York City. On the way out, I love him saying goodbye to the little stop motion animals. Okay, there's a little walrus and a puffin and um, a polar bear. Yes, and they're so cute. John Favreau voices the puffin. Yeah. I don't know how, but he does. <laughs> they're just like, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> the walrus is so upset. I know. He must really like Buddy. Yeah. And then um he also voices the narwhal. Bye, Buddy. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. Bye. Walls, narwhals swimming wow. in the ocean, causing a commotion. Because they are so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Next, we get this little montage of him exploring New York City. And what I love about this is, just like the Lincoln Tunnel, most of this is just out in the street in the middle of the day. No, they took a camera and Will Ferrell out in New York and just let him run around. Most of the people you see are, like, not extras or anything like that. They're just people <laughs> trying to live. I love in that documentary, the guy's like, the guy in the red suit he was just there <laughs> the guy in the red jogging suit yeah and he's like santa santa oh not santa <laughs> it's so great it's so great and of course running around in the revolving door he tries to eat the gum off the subway i entrance. hope he's not really eating anything i think he is i think that will ferrell is... no don't say it ain't so I, that's so gross i think he's actually picking up gum <laughs> And putting it in his mouth. No, that that can't be true. That can't be real. And I refuse to believe it. (laughs) He goes to the Empire State Building to find his father, Walter. And here is where we formally meet Walter Hobbs, a high-powered corporate dick who's in publishing, children's publishing specifically. Good Lord, why? (laughs) I know, right? You think that such an industry would require a human being with a little more joy? Yeah, James Caan just like... I, the way uh, I his placement doesn't make sense to me. I think that they just wanted a big tough guy. Yeah, but put him in publishing. I I know it's like a, a, a publisher of children's books. It's a hell of an industry to be a shark in. It's I, like you're just begging to be put in the fast lane to hell. I mean, I guess this is supposed to be so that we can require him to change. Amy Sedaris is his administrative assistant. He comes up to her. She thinks he's a Christmas gram. <laughs> she thinks someone has paid him to come and sing Walter a song. Hi, I'm Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Elf? From the North Pole. From the North Pole? He's so earnest. Why she thought Walter would enjoy this in any way, shape, or form, I don't know. It's like she was just hired. I think that she's messing with Walter, honestly. Yeah. Because I got to imagine that Walter is not always nice to her. Buddy goes in there and he's like, Dad, I'm here. And Walter's like, what? Like, he's not really listening. Yeah, he's like, okay, let's get it over with. He wants him to sing his song or whatever so he can get back to his day. I bet that's a great segue in the Broadway musical. <laughs> right? What are you going to do, sing a song? <laughs> And so Buddy just starts improvising this little tune. I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. And um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. 
once he starts throwing out names like Susan Wells and I'm your son, Walter gets real agitated real fast. Yeah. And he calls security and they throw him out. I love that, you know, the two guys that are throwing him out. I love the one on the left is his brother. Whose brother? Will Farrell's brother. Is it really? Yeah, it's Patrick Farrell. <laughs> the one that's like the one that's he's like, I came to see my dad. Yeah. It's okay, Walter's my father. Well, your dad's busy right now. Okay, I'll come back later. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna come back for a while, okay? You're gonna go back to Sandland. Okay. Yeah, why don't you go back to Gimbals? So he goes to Gimbals. Yeah. I mean, it's the natural progression of things. Gimbals is super famous, right? Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I thought it was like defunct in like the late 80s. So I'm not really sure why it's portrayed here, but I don't know. Maybe we're confusing that with some other chain. Anyway. But it's super famous <laughs> for its holiday g- decor and oh, stuff. Walking up to Gimbals and getting hit by the taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's never seen a car before. He doesn't know you need to stop for those. We've never been in a mall before. Oh, yeah. It's out of control, right? At Christmas time with the decorations and the music. Anything that'll get you to buy that little extra something expensive. We're looking at lingerie. Because there's a sign next to it that says, for someone special. And he's like, oh, I have special people I love. (laughs) Not like that, buddy. But, like, that's not how you show it, buddy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he's looking at it, and then we have guys. Okay, this actor's name is Faison Love. The person originally cast to play this role was Wanda Sykes. Which would have also been fantastic. She dropped out of the picture at the last moment, and they replaced her with Fajian Love. But the thing is, if you watch the movie, Fajian Love's character, this gimbal store manager, whatever, his name tag says Wanda. (laughs) They had her, they were pretty sure they had Wanda, so they made the name tag. The character's name is Wanda. This guy, Fajian Love, his name, he plays Wanda. This big black man named Wanda. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I want a movie called Big Black Man Named Wanda. Where's this manager's spinoff? Exactly. So he's in charge of Santa's workshop, right? And he sees Buddy looking at the laundry and he's like, get over here. What are you doing down here? Is he not supposed to be up? You're supposed to be upstairs. And he's like, oh, okay, shit. He takes Buddy back over to Santa's workshop because Buddy doesn't know any better. If that guy says he works here, he works here. Yeah. And so he's showing him around, showing him what everybody else is doing to decorate and get the place ready. There are other people dressed up as elves. Like, they don't look like the elves from the North Pole, but they look like what we know as elves. I love how Wanda is like, all right, everybody. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh my god! Santa here? I know him. I know him. There it is. This is the classic moment. (laughs) It's the one in every television promo. Oh my god! You would think he had backstage passes to share. (laughs) I know him. I know him. (laughs) Imagine if Cher were Santa Claus. Oh, <laughs> ho, ho, ho. It's the most wonderful time of, of the year. Now we meet Jovi, Zoe de Chanel. As in literally jovial. I think that is darling. I he's rolling his eyes. <laughs> I think that's a darling name, Jovi. Sure. 
I'd name a dog Jovi. <laughs> Stop. Not a person. Jovi's so cool, though. She also works here. She's dressed as an elf, and she's putting decorations on the tree. If you thought people were lacking in Christmas spirit, Jovi has none. <laughs> Like, she can't handle it. She's so deadpan. Yeah. So joyless. She sees Buddy looking at her because he swims pretty girl. Yes. (laughs) And she's like, why are you staring at me? Are you enjoying the view? You are very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Krampa put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world! Please stop talking to me. Jovi is a good counterpart for Buddy because she's me. She's obviously not super into the holiday and she's just not happy to be here. She doesn't have time for Buddy. She's like, can you leave me alone so I can do my job, please? Do you think you'd be right for Buddy? You already are. I I was going to say, Your boyfriend is already Buddy the Elf. Gavin does not like this movie for the same reason that you, it's not your favorite, is that he doesn't like Will Ferrell. I mean, it's just, it's just silly. You know what I mean? And I like that it's silly. It's just, I can't get past I don't know I honestly can't put my finger on it (laughs) what what it is that just makes this ugh for me so the store closes up for the night and Buddy just stays there overnight because he's got nowhere to be he is going to deck these halls Christmas is the join up hardcore. He might be a mediocre elf, but he's better at this than all humans. Yeah, I can't believe he doesn't think he has purpose. We're cutting up snowflakes and we're trimming things, putting fake snow on Santa's village. Mm-hmm. And he's, All to the nutcracker. Yeah. <laughs> he builds that scale model of like New York City out of Legos. Well, some of the buildings. <laughs> I don't know about the whole city. But like, Russ, that's... It's still pretty good. You're not, you're missing the forest through the trees here. It's still pretty good. (laughs) And so the next morning, he's turning on all the lights. The store hasn't even opened yet. And he hears this singing and it's Jovi. Yeah. The water got shut off in her apartment. So she's here taking a shower. Uh, That's the next thing I have in my notes. Why, with six whys, did she have to be in the shower for this? Like, why couldn't she have just been in there, like, brushing her hair or putting on some rouge or something? This is 2003. We are getting the women into the bath. All right. (laughs) All about women in the bath from 2000 to 2005. As far as she knows, she's just like Janet Lee in the shower. Do-do-do-do-do. And she's singing that song that I absolutely loathe. I ought to say no, 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 no. So really I'd better scurry. Well, maybe just a half a drink more. The neighbors might think. Say what's in this drink? Zoe Deschanel does have a great voice. She does. Like this jazzy. Yeah. This really smooth, like champagne type quality to her voice that I just love. Mm -hmm. And Buddy loves it too. He comes into the women's locker room. And is just sitting on the sink singing along with her. I ought to say no, no, no. Mind if I'm moving. At least I'm going to say that I try. What's the sense of hurting my I really can't stay. And it's cold outside. And finally she's like, 
What? Yeah, because like she start, she gets to the end of it and then Buddy belts it. <laughs> Get out! Don't look at me! Get out! Covers his eyes. Get out! And runs into the closed door. Come on, Buddy. Okay, now we have a problem because. The gimbal store Santa that they've hired has arrived. And he's from Hoboken. (laughs) Or something! Or something! He is not from the North Pole. And Buddy knows it. Oh, Buddy smells bullshit. Well, not bullshit. He smells beef and cheese. Mm -hmm. He knows this Santa is fake. And he tugs on the beard. And of course it comes off. You stink. I think you're going to have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. Go. All the kids start shrieking like they've been maimed. A chase ensues with the mall Santa trying to assault Buddy with a pipe. They smash into that Lego city he made. Yeah. I was like, ah, all that hard work. The police are called and they arrest Buddy. This obvious man-child in a jail. He's not Santa Claus. He's not Santa. <laughs> we cut to Walter's office. He's opening up a parcel from Gimbal's. Oh, God. It says, for that special someone. <laughs> and then he opens up a card and it says, Dad. It, inside, it's a picture of Walter and Susan, his birth parents. Yeah. And then a picture of, he drew a picture of himself. Like, from Walter's point of view, this is the weirdest stalker he's ever had. Yeah, and so he puts it down, and he opens up the parcel, and he picks it up, and it's one of those sexy Christmas lingerie things. (laughs) And he's like, what the? I resent this movie for making me picture James Caan in that lingerie. I resent you. And then on cue, Deborah opens the door and goes, (laughs) what's that? (laughs) What's that? Intercom. Yeah. Mr. Hobbs, the police are on line one. Police. Hello? Buddy's one phone call, of course, was for Walter. Mm. He's the only person here he knows. Because now Walter's curiosity is piqued. Yeah. Where do you get a photograph like that? Exactly. And so he goes down to the jail, he bails Buddy out, and he starts asking him some questions. Like, how did you get this photograph? What do you want from me? Do you want money? What the hell is your deal? And he's like, I'm literally just your son, and I thought you might want to meet me. I know. Yeah. And, like, he, he's letting everybody know in public that this is his dad. <laughs> he's, he's so happy. He's so happy to have found his dad. This will become relevant later, but he has another family. He got married, and he had a kid. He married Emily. Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> yes. And they had a kid together, but he's always at work. He never has time for family. We've seen this before. Mm-hmm. And so Walter takes Buddy to the doctor, Dr. John Favreau, everybody. Dr. John Favreau. They're going to get him a DNA test to prove that he's Walter's kid. He's like, is this just a nut or is this actually my son? The way I love Will Ferrell in this scene, the way he is perfectly capturing an ill-behaved kid at the doctor. Yeah. It's priceless. When he's eating the cotton balls... And Walter's just kind of watching him do it. Yeah. He can't believe that he's eating the cotton balls. Buddy, don't eat those. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I were Walter, I'd be like, oh, this person, this person needs help. Yeah, this person has issues. I love that the test comes back that he is Walter's son and that and Dr. John Favreau is completely chill with the whole situation. <laughs> he's like, listen, this is great. You have a new kid. What he needs is to be nurtured. Um, uh, you'd like me to rescue him? Walter, just... 
bring him home, introduce him to Emily and Michael, and once once he comes to terms with reality, he should drop the whole elf thing and move on with his life. I mean, that's what I would do if I were you. We go home and we meet Emily Hobbs. Who is 100% okay with all of this. Yeah, Gavin pointed out the same thing. He's like, she's very understanding about this. Like, like she, the first words out of her mouth are, Oh my God, Walter, this is, this is wonderful. You, you have another son. Wonderful. Gosh, I, I guess I never really thought of it that this way. This is incredible. And I'm like, wow, you're way too excited. I'll say the same thing to you that I said to Gavin. That's how mature women deal with it. I guess. How is Walter supposed to control the fact that he met Susan and knocked her up before he met Emily? Exactly. And Emily knows that. So, like, that's, that's the thing. I don't know why people are like, why is she so okay with this? <laughs> He's like, Emily. He thinks he's a Christmas elf. And she's like, (laughs) what? And he's like, he legitimately thinks he's a Christmas elf from the North Pole, Santa, and all that shit. And that scares her not a bit. Yeah, she's like, I mean, yeah, maybe he has some issues he's working through, but we can deal with that. And I just, I love her for it. Yeah. She's She's a nice energy in this movie. She is. So we're having a bizarre family dinner, pasta and salad. Yeah, this is their favorite food. And we also meet son Michael. He's only like 10 or 11, I think. Buddy is putting maple syrup all over his spaghetti. Can you pass the maple syrup? She goes, oh, I didn't put any. It's spaghetti. (laughs) It's spaghetti, buddy? You like sugar, huh? Is there sugar in syrup? Yes. Then yes. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. And like, this is like, this is like that scene from To Kill a Mockingbird where Scout is like looking at that other kid going, what in the Sam hell are you doing? Yeah. He gone down and drowned his dinner in syrup. Emily offers Buddy a place to stay since he has nowhere to go. And Walter's like, no. (laughs) But what Mary Steenburgen says goes in this house. Yes. Michael is getting out of school and Buddy is waiting for him on the stoop across the street because he's got nothing else to do. Yeah. He's so desperate to bond with his new brother. He waited for him for five hours. (laughs) He starts following Michael back to the house and Michael is embarrassed. He's like, go away. (laughs) So, good news. I saw a dog today. Have you seen a dog? You probably have. How was school? Was it fun? Did you get a lot of homework? Huh? Do you have any friends? Do you have a best friend? Does he have a big coat, too? Go away! Ow! Son of a nutcracker! And I don't know if Michael has problems with bullies or if these are just his buddies. Now, who is just, this is like literally in Shrek when Robin Hood and his gang of merry men sweep in. <laughs> <laughs> this gaggle of boys just ambushes them with snowballs. Yeah, it's Monsieur Hood Christmas style. <laughs> They duck behind a rock and Buddy's like, come on, come on, we can take these guys. And he starts mass rolling snowballs. You know he's been doing this since he could walk. Make as many snowballs as you can. Michael gets one made and Buddy makes 30 <laughs> in five seconds. In the time it takes him to roll one snowball. He starts launching those snowballs at these kids. He massacres these kids. It's like a Gatlin gun. Like he is just absolutely shooting them off. <laughs> He 
creams these kids and sends them running away in terror. I hate the phrase cream the kids. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I hate that. So we've bonded now. Like, Michael's like, all right, this guy's good to have around. Yeah. And so they just start running around New York City together. Buddy takes him back to Gimbel's because he wants to see Jovi again. <laughs> I love that they come in and Wanda is now doing Santa. Yes, because the other guy got arrested. And uh, Jovi's standing there, and she sees Buddy, and she's just like, You should probably get out of here. Oh, oh, oh. But I really wanted to see you, and, and I think you're beautiful, and I um, I feel really warm when I am around you, and um, my tongue swells up. Here's the thing. Michael is like, you should ask her out, buddy. Yeah. Even though Buddy's a child and has no concept of this, he's like, you gotta ask her out to a restaurant to eat food. Real food, not candy. <laughs> Real food. Buddy's getting up the courage to ask her out, and he fumbles hardcore. He goes, Do you wanna go eat food? Do I do I wanna eat food? Mm-hmm. Well, I just had my lunch break. Oh, okay. I understand. Then I'm free on Thursday. Thursday? Thursday! Come on, that'd oh. be great. He's like, oh, Thursdays? And I love how Michael's pulling him out. He's, He's like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Thursday will be great. That's It'll great. Be great. I love Michael. He's the best wingman. Mm -hmm. When Walter comes home from work, he finds Michael and Buddy putting up a way too tall tree in the living room. What the hell's that? A Christmas tree. A Christmas tree? Buddy dropped it down in the park. Isn't that illegal? That, yeah, I was going to say, that's like a crime. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, buddy. <laughs> buddy chopped it down in the park. I love how Walter just shakes his head at that and just walks away from it. Like, you know how you have days where you're like, this might as well happen. This is also that famous bit where he literally runs and jumps on the couch to put the star on top of the tree. It's not him, though. It's not. It's a stuntman. Yeah. I learned something from this. That is called a Texas switch. When the actor runs off camera and when they come back on camera, it's a stunt person. Mm -hmm. How are we going to get the star on top? I got it. I was like, oh, that's fun, a Texas switch. So Walter takes Emily into the bedroom and he's like, listen, we cannot leave him home anymore. <laughs> he's a liability. Yeah. <laughs> and so what they decide is that he, Buddy is going to go to work with Walter the next day. Mm -hmm. I love it. The, the elevator doors open on the Empire State Building and he and Walter are dressed the exact same. Yep. Because he doesn't have any real human clothes. We're both suited up. We're ready for work. Buddy is predictably a distraction. Like he's just sitting in the corner of Walter's office in the kid's chair. In the kid's chair! <laughs> Trying to make himself busy with a picture book. Debbie brings them coffee. Buddy doesn't like it. I'm with Buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I do not like coffee. Buddy, mm -hmm. you don't have to drink that. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> and so, you know, because Buddy's just a distraction, Walter ends up sending him down to work in the mail room. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, I don't know how many... How much experience y'all have with... Not going to talk about Buddy the Elf. What's your favorite color? Oh, that's right. And, like, Walter's trying to just conduct business, and, like, the phone will ring, and Buddy will pick up the phone. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Put that down. Hello? Hello? 
So because Buddy won't stop distracting him, we're gonna go work in the mailroom. Oh boy. The difference between the rest of the office building and this mailroom is like night and day. Yeah, literally. It, it's like it's purgatory down here. Everything's dark and we've got people who are underpaid, overworked, some of them on work release. <sighs> So Buddy is now working side by side in the mailroom with these sweaty, grumpy, albeit hardworking dudes who are sorting the mail. This one guy is like pouring whiskey into his coffee cup. He thinks it's maple syrup. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I want some. I want some. So now Buddy is sauced for the first time in his life. <laughs> On the job. He and this guy are laid out having one of those drunk, reflective conversations. When this guy says that he's 29. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, oh, shit. Is that my future? Um, That man is not 29. Of course he's not. That man is like 50 years old. <laughs> you know, I know I sound like a broken record, but we are buddies. You're my best friend. That's it. You're my best friend. You know, buddy, You're nobody around here listens to me. I yeah. got really good ideas. I believe it. I know. I'm right. I listen to you. You have great ideas. That was probably the funniest part of the movie. The mailroom scene is a good scene. I like this scene because upstairs... Walter and his co-workers are trying to court this super successful children's book author. And like, he, he's... Miles Finch. Yeah, Miles Finch. And I love his two cohorts, his two writers. I don't know the name of the other guy, but one of them is Conan's guy. Yeah, Conan part two, Andy Richter. Yeah, Andy yeah, Richter. Yeah. Andy Richter's here, everybody. And so they're on the phone with Miles Finch and they're trying to convince him to come on to write for them. And Debbie keeps interrupting on the intercom. Sir, Chuck in the mailroom needs to talk to you. What, Chuck? I mean, what could be going on down here that's so important you had to interrupt me? What? Will Ferrell is on top of this table, getting down to whoop, there it is. And he's actually kind of killing it. Yeah, a little bit. And he's doing like the Rasputin choreography on top of this table while the rest of the mailroom whoops and hollers. You're doing an awful lot of deep sign over there. Are you okay? Yeah, it's just this movie. <laughs> I like this next part. I like this next part a lot. Now we're going on a date with Jovi. I just hate that her name is Jovi. Okay, would you get over it? <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> I don't know why, but Buddy is dressed like a Dr. Zhivago extra, <laughs> like with the furry hat and the overcoat. You make Hi. me feel so young. You look you miraculous. Me feel so so do you. Thank you. And what would you like to do? I've got some ideas. I'm such a happy. There's no concrete plan for this date. Like, most people would just go to dinner in a movie or something. But Buddy is just taking her by the hand and showing her all the things about New York that she's known about for years. We're just doing all the things he did to begin with when he got here. He shows her the revolving door like it's the greatest invention ever made. He shows her the biggest Christmas tree he's ever seen in a storefront window. And she's like, mm -mm, I've seen bigger. And she takes him to Rockefeller Center to see the Christmas tree there. That is a postcard for Christmas, right? Yeah. Rockefeller Center with all the lights and the gigantic tree. And we're ice skating. Oh, it's nice. And he pecks her on the cheek and she goes, she's just like, You missed. You missed. You missed. You make me feel so young. And she pulls him into this big old slobbery kiss yeah. and I'm like, are we hot for Buddy? Um, <laughs> I can't feel it. Well, here's the thing. She is just not full of spirit at all. 
and she's just kind of grumpy, kind of like me. Mm-hmm. And he is just so genuine and earnest. Yeah, the thing is, she doesn't have anything going on in her personal life, like yeah. at all. No, not at all. And so here's Buddy, and Buddy's like full of life. Terminally charming. And full of the spirit, and she's like... It's like she's seeing all of these things in a brand new light. And I just love that that's the effect that Buddy has on people. Mm. So now we are at the big meeting with Miles Finch. Peter Dinklage. This is my first ever incarnation of Peter Dinklage. Y'all know Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones? Yeah, he's the target, the Targi. The, t- the, the Targi? Tar- the Turgerian. The Targaryen. The Turning. The He's Turnip Turgerian. Tyrion Lannister. Turning Turning. You've never seen Game of Thrones, have you, boy? He is Tyrion Tartar Sauce. So if you've never seen Peter Dinklage in the flesh, he has a form of dwarfism called achondroplasia. He is four feet, five inches tall, and I feel like people who have seen a movie before have already figured out where this is going. Mm. So he comes in, and again, we get the Meryl Streep entrance, where they're making him look like this gigantic presence, all for the sight gag, where he ends up being four feet tall. Very Lord Farquaad. Like, I don't know, this movie rides a fine line with this, as far as I'm concerned, you know what I mean? Mm. Because all of the comedy that's about to happen here is out of naivete, mm-hmm. out, of, out of some just honest ignorance, <laughs> but let's not belabor the point. So Miles comes into this meeting, and Miles is very... Very high maintenance. Very. Like, he's a diva. Like, when he requested the vehicle pick him up the airport be 71 degrees Fahrenheit on the interior. Exactly. Like, that kind of shit. He is just like, I am Miles Finch. I don't have time for you. I'm a genius, and you better listen up. (laughs) They're having this meeting. Buddy just bursts into the conference room. I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. He's so excited to tell Walter about his new girlfriend. Uh, We're, we're, uh, Buddy, having a big meeting here um, that now is literally... Not the time. And he lays eyes on Miles, and you already know what he's thinking. I didn't know you had elves working here. Boy, you're you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't... uh, Get get back to the story, please. They're trying to go back to business, and Buddy will not let it go. He just keeps the short jokes coming. Oh, my God. And here's the thing. He's not trying to make fun of him. <clears throat> he legitimately thinks he's an elf. Yeah, he he legitimately has questions. He doesn't he doesn't know that anybody from the North Pole has ever come down here before. Yeah. And Miles, within his right, is trying to give it back to him. He finally goes, "You're feeling strong, my friend. Call me elf one more time." He's an angry elf. <laughs> Miles Finch jumps up on the conference table, runs into Will Ferrell's open arms. Look at you! (laughs) And starts kicking his ass! Literally cleans the room with him. Like, it's hilarious! Will Ferrell's like, what, seven feet tall? Yeah, like, it's... it's, This is what they call comedy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like it. It is a movie. Yes. It is a comedy. And so Miles gets fed up, he leaves, he's not gonna do any writing for them now. Mm-mm. Like, I mean, I don't blame him. I do not blame him one little bit. Walter's at his breaking point. Walter's what you call done. Buddy is just too much trouble. Yeah. He keeps derailing his life. And so he looks him dead in the face. And you remember this part of the documentary when they're talking about how John Favreau, like right before this take, whispers in his ear, remember, you're Sonny Corleone. Yeah. 
You get the hell out of here. Where do you want me to go? I don't care where you go. I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life now. So sad. I know. So sad. Like, like Walter, he has practically the mind of a child. Yeah. Like, give him a break. He's a nuisance, though. He is a nuisance. But I just, maybe that, maybe that's why I am a sucker for this movie, as many are. It's just like, how can you not love Buddy? I guess, yeah. He's such a positive presence. And then to see, like... He's a chaotic presence. I mean, it depends on how you look at it, I suppose. <laughs> I think I think he's wonderful. but And just Walter, the way Walter cuts him down like that, I'm just like, woof. So Buddy leaves a runaway note on the Etch-A-Sketch. I'm sorry I ruined your lives and crammed 11 cookies into the VCR. I don't belong here. I don't belong anywhere. I'll never forget you. Love, buddy. I don't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't that just get you? Yeah. It's like not <laughs> not human enough for the real world, not elf enough for elf world. Yeah. It stinks, buddy. And so Buddy just starts wandering back to the North Pole. Little do we know that after Miles kicked Buddy's ass in the meeting, he left his notebook behind in the meeting room. And it's just chock full of children's book ideas. So they're going to steal them. Yeah. They're they're going to plagiarize. I've always wondered about that. I'm like, how is this going to be the thing that pulls them out of the fire? Yeah. Because it's definitely a crime. So we're stealing the acclaimed Miles Finch's story to present to Greenway on Christmas Eve. It's like some story about a, a peach on a farm. I don't even, I I did not even pay attention. (laughs) Some pandering nonsense. And so, like, it's Christmas Eve and we have to give a pitch. Yes. To this in boardroom full of jerks. Mm -hmm. And, like, Mr. Greenway sitting at the head of the table with his stupid polka dot tie. I've seen this guy in things. Yeah, I don't. I didn't write it down, but I've seen this guy before. He's just that guy you get when you want a scary looking corporate type. So Walter's up there doing his thing, and I do kind of feel bad for Walter in the sense that he can't get through a meeting without someone interrupting. Yeah, here comes Michael, whooshing in to interrupt the meeting. Another Hobbs child interrupting a meeting. Buddy ran away. What? He he left a note. I'm scared, Dad. He's gone. Uh, Let me just finish this uh, meeting, and then um, we'll figure it out, okay? Figure out what? Buddy cares about everybody. All you care about is yourself. Oh, he takes him to task. Yeah. And Walter's like, oh, no, am I one of those cliche dads in Christmas movies? He might as well just look at the camera and go, wait a minute. I'm the asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, no. Now I'm the asshole. And Mr. Greenway is like, if you want to keep your job, you're going to pitch me this book. And I mean now. Can't we do this another time, Mr. Greenway? I flew in just to hear this pitch, and I intend to. It's going to have to wait. If you want to keep your job, Hobbs, you will pitch me this book right now. He might as well just be like, give me all of your money and your home. Bah humbug! I love what Walter says. Hmm. Up yours. Yeah, up yours. Hobbs. Hobbs. Hobbs, you walk out of here, and you're finished at Greenway. You're finished. We're going to go get Buddy. Yeah, we're going to go looking for Buddy. (laughs) Suck a dick, dumb shits. Suck a dick, dumb shits. When we're wandering along the bridge 
or whatever bridge he's on. There's so many bridges I'm from get- Manhattan to everywhere else. Yeah, I'm getting some George Bailey, like, It's a Wonderful Life vibes. You know, when he was going to throw himself off that bridge, and then he didn't because the angel told him not to. Yeah. But, like, Buddy's just standing up there looking over the water, and it's like, wow, I belong nowhere. Yeah. And I, fe- I feel that. I feel for him. And then who falls out of the sky? Santa? It's Santa and his reindeer. The real Santa this time. And, like, he's having engine trouble. Yeah. Remember that fancy (laughs) engine that has to power the sleigh? Mm -hmm. He is, like, in a tailspin. That engine just falls right off, and he goes crashing into Central Park. And Buddy's like, okay, better go deal with that. Better go find Santa. I love how Santa almost assaults him when he surprises him. Yeah. He's like, Buddy, is that you? I love this because Santa, who always knows the right thing to say... I need an elf's help. I, I'm not an elf, Santa. I, I, I can't do anything right. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I ever met. And the only one who I would want working on my sleigh tonight. Really? Really? Will you fix it for me, buddy? I'll try. Papa taught me how. I love it. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa Santa. Grandpa Santa. Grandpa Asner. Papa Bob and (laughs) Grandpa Santa. So Santa sends Buddy to look for the engine that fell off the sleigh. It looks like a mini version of the OG War of the Worlds (laughs) cylinders that flies into the earth. I'm like, don't touch it. It's aliens. Exactly. Yeah. And he happens upon it at the exact same time as Walter and Michael. And like Walter and Michael are just out looking for Buddy and they just meet up at the engine. And I love how Walter's just like, listen, I didn't mean any of the shit I said back there. Uh, Can we just forget about it? (laughs) Can can I apologize? And then like maybe we never deal with our feelings again. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Thank you. We don't have to talk about anything. Like, it'll be fine. I need to tell you something. Buddy, there's something I have to tell you right now. Um... I didn't mean anything I said back there, not not a word. I know you may be a little um, um, uh, chemically imbalanced, but you've been right about a lot of things. I I don't want you to leave. My son and I love you. So Walter and Michael help Buddy carry the engine back to the sleigh, and they reattach it. And, like, nobody, like, neither Michael... Nor Walter are appropriately freaked out by the fact that Santa is here. No one is even the slightest bit McReady in this movie. <laughs> Santa Claus. Yeah. He's real. He's right here. Michael's the only one who's got questions. He goes up to Ed Asner and he's like, so you're really Santa Claus? <laughs> and he's like, well, you never really can tell, kid. I'll tell you what. What did you want for Christmas? He tells him exactly what he wanted for Christmas. He's got the list with him. Yep. It's a big old book. What everybody in the world wants for Christmas. Big old tome. Like they said in Polar Express, seeing is believing. Mm -hmm. He gets in Santa's bag and sees that skateboard. The Christmas spirit odometer on the sleigh goes boop. What happened? You made my sleigh fly. What do you mean? Well, before the turbine days, this baby used to run solely on Christmas spirit. You believed in me. You made my sleigh fly. It's like, wow, that's how the sleigh used to get around, was just purely on that belief. Yeah, we didn't need all of this 
technology. <laughs> yeah. And so I love how Michael's like, well, listen, if this is real, then why don't we just take the list and show it to people? And Santa's like, oh, that's not how I operate, kid. Santa's about belief, not evidence. The paparazzi's been trying to nail me for years. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. This whole thing with uh, Charlotte Denon. The news anchor? New York One. And... Literally, when she's interviewing people, the guy who won't lay off of her. Why is this here? Why was this written into, like, play some of it. I think you're great, Charlotte. Uh, I I saw something fall from the sky right in the middle of Central Park. I mean, you're a great news lady. Thank you. (laughs) Could you tell me a bit more about what you saw fall from the sky? Yeah, yeah. Your eyes tell the story. That's what I love about you. You got a great mouth. Gas. Yeah. I'm and like, oh, on live television? He's like, yeah, like your eyes, they're just so great. Like they just really pop. And I'm like, oh God, someone call the cops. As a matter of fact, due to the phenomenon, because everyone saw something fall out of the sky, we are now closing Central Park. No one's allowed in. According to authorities, the area has been cleared. Only the Central Park Rangers now remain in the park. These horses are highly trained, but rarely see action. Some have accused them of being too gung-ho when called into duty, and their controversial crowd control tactics at the Simon and Garfunkel concert in 85 are still under investigation. Okay, can we talk about the Central Park Rangers real quick? Like, why have we gone out of the way to make these Central Park Rangers, mind you, look like ringwraiths? They're the enemies of Christmas. I guess. They're here to take out Santa. Like, there's the... Central Park Rangers, it reminds me of the first time we see the Ringwraiths in the Fellowship. Like I said, not enough people McReady in this movie. <laughs> the people least of all McReady, the Park Rangers. <laughs> because, they, like, literally, they, 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 they... The Rangers go into the park and start, like, tracking Santa down, like, hunting him like game. Mm-hmm. Up mess of the run, get in! I put them on the naughty list and they never forgave me. For real. Santa said a cab. Santa said a cab. <laughs> Everybody disperses. Michael grabs the big book of presents and he runs towards the press pool where all of the cameras are hanging out and he like shoves somebody out of the way to get on camera. Yeah. Guys, listen, listen, listen. Santa is real and we he needs our help so we can get his sleigh to fly. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte Denzen is not having any of it. And Michael's like, okay, I'll prove it to you. What's your name? He turns the page. He finds Charlotte's name. This is my biggest laugh in the movie. (laughs) What's your name? Uh, I'm Charlotte Denon, New York One. Charlotte Denon wants a Tiffany engagement ring and for her boyfriend to stop dragging his feet in committal. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Michael spilled the tea! (laughs) She is incredulous. Who told you to say that? Turn the camera back on. Michael's like, listen, Santa is stuck in Central Park, and if we all believe in him, his sleigh will fly. And, like, Jovi is standing around in the crowd. She's remembering what Buddy told her. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And so Jovi just kind of starts singing Santa Claus is coming to town. Which is exactly what they sang last week. Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? for Santa to come out. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He's making a list, checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. 
Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. And then Emily joins in. Mm-hmm, very badly. Yes, very badly. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> mm-hmm. So sorry. And then Michael and then other people. And before you know it, everyone is singing Santa Claus is coming to town. It's actually heightening the amount of Christmas spirit in the air. Yeah, like the, the, the sleigh is getting higher and higher off the ground. The spirit meter is like starting to peak. Without the engine's help. And people are watching on TV, too. And they're starting to join in. Everybody who's been with us along the way. Yeah, everybody <laughs> we've met. Wanda and the Gimbals crew, the people in the boardroom, the security guards, everybody. And, like, the only person not singing is Walter. He's just moving his lips. Michael's like, Dad, could you, could you, could, could you? Could you give a shit a little bit, Walter? <laughs> you're not singing. Yes, I am. No, you're not. You're just moving your lips. Michael, please, what's the big deal? Dad? Santa Claus is coming to As Walter joins in the song, the sleigh, like, flies right over his head. How do the rangers not... It's like nobody notices. (laughs) It's like they fly. They fly over this group of people and off into the night, into the sky. You think up around skyscrapers and everybody's just like, what? (laughs) Well, I'll be goddamned. And then the the guy on the television, I guess we'll never know what happened in Central Park this Christmas Eve. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) It's Santa. Ask the park rangers. Do the investigation. (laughs) This could go all the way up to the New York AG. (laughs) An unidentified flying object fell into Central Park tonight. And the rangers chased it around. And you think, call the mayor! (laughs) For a media person. Oh, well, I guess we'll never know what happened. (laughs) What do you mean? You're the media! You all saw that thing, like, almost hit you guys in the head, right? (laughs) That's my favorite shot in the movie, when the the sleigh literally flies over the press. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, you know, you know, you know, I bet Santa had a great night, but he didn't. And you want to know why? Why? Because he flew off without his list. Oh, God. Michael's got that book in his hand. Michael still has the how is he supposed to deliver the rest of the presents? I, maybe he knows it by memory. I, maybe he had it downloaded from the cloud. <laughs> Santa always knows his lines. <laughs> He's never on book. And so, with a little help, Buddy managed to save Christmas. Why are we always saving Christmas? Because that- Why does it always need to be saved? Ask yourself that. Why is Christmas always in jeopardy? Why does it always need save? Why is Christmas the Princess Peach of holidays? We don't ever need to save Fourth of July or Easter. Or we don't need to save Easter. We don't need to save Halloween from anything. Oh my God. Oh my God. Listen, you're kind of right. You're kind of right. And so we get a little epilogue. We see that <laughs> Buddy is still living in New York. With part-time. His, part-time. With <laughs> he, he splits his time between the pole and the Big Apple. <laughs> <laughs> we get that scene where they're all having a Christmas party in Walter's apartment, and he's playing the piano. She's singing old Lang Syne very oh, beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> 
Waller started his own independent publishing company. His first book was written by a brand new critically acclaimed children's author. The book was Elf, a, a fictional story about an adopted elf named Buddy who was raised in the North Pole, went to New York, ate spaghetti, worked in a shiny mailroom, and eventually saved Christmas. And then we flash to the pole, and <laughs> Jovi is literally in that pink elf getup. Yeah! It's like, when we're here, we live in the elf tradition. Yes. They have a child. They have a child together. They have a baby. Named Susie. Susie. After their, after his mother. That's so nice. Yeah. Aww. And he's like, come <laughs> Like, I love Papa Bob is like, bring me my grandbaby. <laughs> and then- Come sit on grandpa's lap. Buddy takes the baby and you think it's going to give it to him, but he just sits on his lap with the baby. <laughs> How has he not killed somebody by falling on them? The end. <laughs> Are you glad that's over, Ross? Bum, 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 bum. I have a bum, bum back. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Life's a bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I mean, guys. Guys, I'm sorry if I sounded. <laughs> guys, I'm sorry if I sounded shorter. If Carrie talked a lot in this episode, I'm just really hurting. <laughs> You've got some back problems I've, over there. I, why am I 56 and age 24? <laughs> it's because I toxify my body. Oh, my God. Oh, God. It's You eat too much sugar. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm the definition of unhealthy. <laughs> You've got an elf diet, and you need to stop I that. I have obesity, family history of cancer, and heart problems. Stop putting maple syrup on your spaghetti. I don't. <laughs> I don't eat spaghetti. So, guys, basically, um, same moral as last week. I guess I got to have some Christmas spirit See, or else the train and the sleigh can't move. Seeing is believing. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a little more complicated than that. Um, I don't want to make it too complicated, I obviously. Mean, this is definitely more a uh, father-son story. Yeah, it's, it's a good tale about this earnest and naive, plucky little elf. Who goes on a journey to find his family. Looking for my dad with Rankin and Bass. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the subtitle of this movie. And I don't... Guys, I really wish I could qualify what makes this movie so good. That's the thing. At the time, no one understood. Like, why do we like this? Well, yeah, why do we like this so much? It's Will Ferrell. It, of course it's Will Ferrell. It's Will Ferrell is the thing that holds it all together. I think this is the role he was born to play, which sounds ridiculous to say that out loud, mm -hmm. but I do believe that. I think that not only did this movie launch his career, but this set him up for a lot of things down the road. And like, guys, he's not my favorite, but I still think he has value as an entertainer. And like, I mean, I can't wait till we do Stranger Than Fiction, because mm. that is just a whole nother type of Will Ferrell movie. And people just, I feel like people just can't help but come back to this at the holidays. Days. It's like slipping into an old warm pair of socks. Hmm. Like, you know what's going to happen. It's not complicated. It's a comfort movie for a lot of people. It's like, I'm sorry that I ruined your lives and crammed six cookies <laughs> into, into the, the VCR. Who that? 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 Who that?
is it time to be done with Christmas yet? No, don't say things like that. I know it. Guys, thanks for sticking around for that one. Um, we have got uh, more quality content coming in for kicking and streaming. I know. You're really excited about next week's selection. Guys, next week, uh, next week's going to be great. Next week is going to be a great conversation, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. Next week, we will be covering the 1990 Christmas classic. The Christmas classic. It is the Christmas classic in this house. Chris Columbus's Home Alone. Oh, guys, I wanted to do this last Christmas so bad, but we just, there was not enough time. Mm. And so I am jazzed for this conversation. And uh, our boyfriend, Chris Columbus. Um, He's back, guys. What more can I say? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, there will be more to say, believe me. And we have another Christmas movie in Chicago. Yes, we do. Oh. Another Christmas movie in Chicago. Guys, just stick, come back next week. We're going to be talking about all the ridiculous stunts, the comedy gold, and Macaulay Culkin. And I think uh, it's a nice way to end out the year because, you know, we, we have a kicking and streaming veteran with us next week, Mr. Joe Pesci. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. From our very first episode. Yes. Look out for that. That's going to be an excellent time. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And folks, don't forget, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I hurt. <laughs> and as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. Got the news, got the news, got the news.